0: This is From Ideas to Life. Brought to you by Digitalist. In this episode, Digitalist Head of Design, Esa Netamo is having a conversation with Gert Hans from Delft University. He's also a senior partner in Fabric, a creative agency with over 100 professionals operating in the Netherlands with the motto, Challenge Reality. I'm Sergio Tavares, PhD and consumer scientist at the Digitalist Group, and I'm also asking a few questions today. We're covering here the importance of good presentation of work, how lean services are now implemented and presented in practice, and how consultants, agencies, and customers are dealing with new ways of working. Follow us through. Welcome
1: to the From Ideas to Life podcast, Hans, it's great to have you here today. Nice Uh, being here, thanks. You guys are here traveling with students. Yeah. 25 students from yeah.
2: Delft, Terry Delft Technical University. And they are in the um, Strategic Product Design Master. And yeah. they organize a trip every year with the student association and this year it's to Helsinki and this year it's me being a joining professor yeah right and while we
1: are having this podcast that students are actually working there on they are doing this workshop around AI and travel industry in the future how the AI will change the travel industry yeah So we'll hear the results of that right later on but
2: I yeah I'm very curious what they uh, what they make out of this yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: definitely so usually how we start this podcast is that we are interviewing designers or people who are affiliated with design and the first question we usually have
2: is how did you get actually in the field of design in the first place? I um, studied industrial design engineering myself in Delft and um, I was when I was young I was more, more of an engineer um, ripping things out mm-hmm. like video recorders and stuff to see how it works and then um, at a certain point I thought I was a designer, but more like an engineer kind of designer. So industrial design engineering made sense. And um, I graduated on, that was interesting, in 96 on a platform for industrial design agencies to represent themselves. And then the internet was nothing, right? So these agencies didn't know, didn't have any clue how to do it themselves. So, and this was my trick. The market for um, in designers was not so good. My trick was I have to go to the 20 agencies to see what they, expect of this platform to have some sort of open um, uh, possibility to have a chat and to be seen as a designer and one of those, um, Jeroen van Erb, my partner, still he's still my partner in business and he said why don't you come work with me when you graduate and we go d- design an intranet for um, uh, ABN Amro which is one of the biggest banks in Holland and that's how I did it graduated on Friday, joined him going to the bank on monday and a year later i became a partner and we started off and and agency grew bigger and bigger and now we're 100 people in
1: amsterdam rotterdam and delft so nice so you went straight from school on building your own agency
2: yeah but i never had the intentions to i was i I joined him and we had a lot of fun together and um yeah i think we we were a good team so it just went up there
1: yeah so after school what was the most difficult part for if there's somebody who's like about to graduate from uh, design school uh, and thinking about going to work for somebody or starting their own agency. What was the most difficult part for you?
2: I think the most difficult part when you graduate is to understand the forces in the field, how it works. How does this work? How do you deal with clients? All my graduation students, I recommend them to start working with an agency for three years, then start on their own. You make such big steps when you start off in an in a, uh, existing agency. That you you need ten years for that yourself. See how it works, and then um, you're on your own little bear. That's yeah. what I say. Then
1: yeah, it is true. There's so many little details that you can't read from anywhere. Yeah, that really you
2: really you have you have to see somebody do it. Like um, like how you deal with clients. Just how to deal with clients. That's quite that's quite a profession, and it's a good thing to see how people do this. Now you are working as a professor at Issunde running your own agency. Yeah. Do you
1: teach these things to students of today that how to deal with the client?
2: Yeah, but that's not in my course. I coordinate a course. It's about branding and product commercialization. I do guest lecturing in another course, and that's called design consultancy practice, and mm-hmm. that's the course where people decide if they want to start their own agency. And then I tell all the agency stories. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, you must be kind like, of quite popular lecture because you have your own. agency. There,
2: yeah, and there is a lot of there is a lot to tell. Yeah. yeah. It's always uh, I'm always short on time. Yeah. yeah.
0: And what about the corporate setting? Do you advise your students to join positions in corporations, or do you often advise them to start? right away with agencies.
2: I think a corporate um, environment is also interesting. Depends a bit on what you expect from your work and how your concentration for a specific topic is. Because when you're at the corporate side, then you're working on the same project for years, right? And that can be very interesting because one of the downsides in an agency, and I think you know, is that you uh, create a vision or a strategy and do maybe some sort of um, execution. But at a certain point, it's not your project anymore. And then it, it goes to some sort of business as usual in the corporate organization, which is good. But then you have to let it go. And it's interesting if you work at a corporation, then um, you can just nurture it and improve it.
1: Yeah, I agree totally. Because there you, the clients will switch automatically at times. Exactly. So you get to focus on and learn from new industries. That, yeah. that has always appealed to me as I kind of working on an agency size. Yeah. Whenever you go into a new client, you have to learn how. what's the logic behind it, how does that business work and, and so on. So you learn a lot. It's a constant learning of that. I'm not saying that, of course, in the corporate side you don't learn, but it's a different kind of learning. Yeah, it's there. different kind of learning. Yeah. yeah, I
0: agree. Yeah. How do you see the general role of consultancy firms into the digital field? They don't seem to play the same role as they used to, yet they are not exactly the creative agency that customers are excited about hiring. So how do you see this role?
2: Hey, what I feel is that, of course, um, as you've seen consultancy firms um, quickly move into the digital field, right? Like Accenture, PricewaterhouseCoopers, um, Deloitte does a great job there. I think these guys do a good job structuring projects. Mostly when it's a bigger organizational impactful, project, then I think consultant consultants still can add to the project and do a good job.
0: Consultancies generally work with big scale projects. Isn't that a little bit in crisis considering the lean approach
2: where you start small, measure and only then scale up? How do you see this? I think so, but I think that also consultancies are adapting quickly to this new way of working. Yeah, buying quite a lot of design agencies. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah that's interesting. So the the field of design agencies is really changing. Yeah. And that's interesting. Also with the more and more in-house teams, instead of, um, for I think 15 years ago, you just had the responsibility to keep the website up and going and do the content and all that stuff. Like we did for Albert Heijn, which is uh, one of the biggest retailers in Holland. We did it for 15 years. And then we lost the account to themselves because they started doing it themselves. So they hired UXers and uh, visual designers and project managers and agile leaders and um, they have some sort of internal design agency right now. So that's also one of the developments in our um, design agency context that's really changing the field, as is Scrum, which is really changing the field as is Lean Startup.
1: Yeah, we had this discussion. There's a lot of corporations who have recognized that the design is core business for it and they're in-housing a lot of the agencies. Personally, I think it's a good thing Yeah, because it, it's good for design as a whole, but it also pushes the agencies to move somewhere else because especially a lot of the like production level is nowadays done by the in-house. Yeah, teams. exactly. So so,
2: what so so there is a split between hands and brains. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a funny thing that the hands appear to be easier insourced, right? Like hire a UX designer and make sure that he does the job. But the brains, of course, need to be fresh all the time. And if you're working on the project for two years, then it's not that fresh. So what we see happening is that we get a phone call and we are asked to bring our ideas on a new strategy or concept, which we do in a couple of months. And then they adapt the concept and uh, start working from there. That is something that is going to be always constant.
1: Regardless yeah. who you are, how good you are in design, if you're working the walls of one company all the time, your mind starts to be inwards. Yeah. And it's, it's fresh to get outside okay. perspective. I was working 11 years in an in-house design, and later on I can say that a lot of the ideas were inborn ideas. We didn't really uh, use enough of the external ideas or innovation which then causes a lot of problems. We discussed also uh, on a break, we discussed about this when I was doing our our company presentation to your students. I was talking about nowadays that we always start with the co-creation that we spend three and five days uh, with customers. Uh, and the purpose of that is really to discover what they should really do uh, in, instead of them trying to do that um, by themselves. And you said that you have the similar approach in your agency. Can you talk a little bit about your experiences around this?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. We, um, we also do this. So if, we, um, if a client comes to us and, and asks us for a pitch, for example, then they say something like, okay, we need the presentation in three weeks. And that's the moment that we climb into the telephone and say, okay guys, this is it. You say that you need or want or looking for an agency to work with for the longer term, right? So there needs to be a click. And you really want to find out before you sign a contract. So why not have um, an afternoon or a day or two days working on the roadmap together to see how we can best approach this? Because you have a lot of knowledge from business we have a lot of knowledge from the process and design and uh, let's combine those and make a plan together and that's that's has always worked for us
1: yeah once we switch to this kind of model yeah the relationship with the customer changed completely and yeah. we removed the guessing part from the life
2: exactly i i always use the metaphor of a mastermind you know the game mastermind yep. with the colors yes you don't. You do? No, I don't. Oh, oh there's Look some famous Brazil Yeah, no. It, no, it's a generation thing here. It's um, it's a game, and there is um, you have a little um, uh, little tiny cap, and behind there you have a code on colors, and then you put the um, the little cap over, and then I have to guess what it is. And my first attempt is like red, yellow, red, blue. No, yellow is in there, but not on the right place. And then I have to do a second attempt, and that's taking a lot of time. And if we want to start working together, this is exactly what I tell my client. Then okay, let's play mastermind, but let's instantly remove the cap. It's then we can talk about oh, what I see you have there is a red, yellow, blue, and a green. Um, in our experience, green is never working mm. in the last position. How do you how do you feel about that? And then we have a discussion. Right, yeah. that's much more interesting instead of having the mastermind kind of game. Don't you feel that agencies no longer need to put up
0: a big show and that kind of smoke and mirror scenario, that kind of madman thing nowadays? Because customers are much more part of the process. Do you have this
2: impression as well?
0: No more smoke and mirrors.
2: Yeah, we never, we never make phone boards yeah. anymore. Yeah. We just don't do it anymore. It's, it's much more informal. It's most of the time it's um, having the board uh, invited at our agency and just walk um along all the work that we've done and point at it have some discussion there and uh, yeah that's really changing and it's also the, f- the fact that um design i think 20 years ago design was it was like magic it yeah. was just like fucking magic and you dear client you don't understand it it's right. just us and i think that clients know that design is not magic it's it's a you and you need some talent, you need some method, you need some experience, you need some innovation culture, but it's not magic.
1: Last uh, podcast we had Tech map who's the inventor of the design sprint, and I think he coined, the, coined it quite well. He said the design, in, in the bottom line, is about problem solving. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a craft. It's a, it requires skills, but it's a it's like skill that anybody can learn to a certain extent and especially mm-hmm. if you think about more the brains rather than the actual crafts mm-hmm. and I, I feel that like the, with when we do this kind of co creations it's more about we don't focus too much about like how does it look but what's the thinking behind it exactly and then, then how, how it looks is still important but that comes from nowadays way later whereas in the beginning well, like a few years ago it was that you started with that you try yeah. to impress the customers with the like oh that looks beautiful visuals yeah. and stuff
2: and that's also changing the profession of the designer as as lean startup is in a lean startup it's experiment on experiment on experiment so your um, product or your service is some sort of uh, evolving Mm-hmm. Slowly, uh, slowly um, evolving, and um, there's not that much room to create your masterpiece as a designer. How do you feel about
1: because you are also like educating young minds nowadays? Design is done in front of others, whereas it used to be done behind the curtains and working in front of others is it's quite exposing and yeah. it's really challenging and for somebody who's fresh out of school might be intimidating as well. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel that they, the young
2: minds can cope with this? kind I see that in students curriculum now there's much more teamwork. So these students are used to a lot of teamwork with a lot of coaches around them. So I think the preparation for the professional phase is better than it was when we graduated. Yeah, But it still is, it's, much, it's very much on how to behave in this context. For example, if you're in Scrum, that was interesting. I was in Scrum when I was the CEO of our firm and um, I was in a team with my colleagues and some clients. And um, so we were in front of the Scrum board and everybody had his post-its. And one rule in Scrum is you move your own post-its scrum master is not going to do it because if he does then he's going to manage you and that's not how it works so you have to move it themselves and um, at a certain moment I was just being the strategist service in that scrum so so good hands daily stand up what did you do? Well, I did this and that and um, and then Sana said okay and now move the post-its and a lot of his colleagues and my colleagues were a bit like is he is he now telling hands to move his post-its and to me it felt really natural because I think he's right he's a scrum master everybody does it I just forgot so that's a good thing but you have to to not be bothered by these kind of thoughts oh no I cannot say it to to the client oh no I cannot say it to him because then your scrum is not working so you have to be very open also to clients like okay um, you wrote a hypothesis but I don't think it's the right way to do it I think I I can coach you on that and improve it even furthermore. uh, But that that needs, sometimes, depending on your client, needs quite some balls. Yeah.
1: In in another context, it's the same thing that what what we recognize is that like when you have facilitating workshops, and and often there are like some key executives from the customer side of it uh, who have like way over, like they are way more senior than our facilitators. But still the facilitators need to be able to grab the room and and yeah to really guide the process through otherwise the, the results will be well we don't get to the results but yeah <laughs> <follow the process. laughs> you, you will never is a results. yeah and that is something that like for the like young uh, facilitator that is always something that you need to kind of remind them that you are in charge i've been in a works with myself and like and i always remind that like, you are also Guiding me, so <laughs> yeah. like if I keep mumbling, he yeah. said, "Okay, great, great yeah. idea." Now we move
2: forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And I think that's interesting. And it's it's also interesting when I have um, interns in fabric and then I meet them at lunch, and I shake their hand, and um, I say, "Hi, I'm Gerhard. What are you doing?" Oh, I'm the intern, isn't that?" And um, and then they ask "What do you do?" And then back then I said, "I'm the uh, CEO." And um, one half of interns then start blinking and saying, "Oh, oh, I'm sorry." yeah (laughs) and then I say sorry for what well for not knowing how could you know and the other half says oh sounds like a cool job right Mm -hmm. they don't have the hierarchy thing and what I see is that if you don't have the hierarchy thing then you have you're so much further in your professional behavior and the opportunities that you can grasp if you're not bothered by the kind of relationships oh that's really great that's really helping also for innovation culture
1: yeah, because then the best ideas go forward.
2: Exactly. We discussed also about
1: uh, like after having this kind of co-creation and setting the tide, okay, this is what, what we should do together and getting to know the customer. And then if you, let's say, that you are trying to build a service, we spoke about like instead of starting to immediately develop, to have experimenting phase where you are actually validating your thinking and, and testing whether you have the right business model and those mm-hmm. kind of things. Are you guys
2: doing the same thing in your agency? Yeah, yeah that's what we do. And we do it according um, the Lean Startup. Mm -hmm. the arab reese book yes and it's really helping out we do the problem solution fit phase and the product market fit yeah we do the interviews problem interviews solution interviews the social media banner campaigns the landing pages to see how people click it how conversions are we get business cases and and all in as little time as possible and as cheap as possible for the client so quick quick and dirty thousand views we have 14 clicks on concept one and seven clicks on concept two. So concept one is twice as good. Well, that's not how significance we Yeah, okay. Rick Reese talks about these vanity metrics. Yeah. yeah, vanity metrics,
0: yeah. I have been working with data-driven decision-making in the past years, and I often have conversations with uh, professionals that are more on the qualitative side, discussing what are the limits of interpretation of these methods. Uh, I would ask you, how do you see the limits of face-to-face interviews?
2: What what I think and, and often say is that in face-to-face interviews, we use them to gain insights. And because I sometimes have the discussion with the colleague, he says, well, then these people don't know what their problem is, uh, let, let alone that they know what the solution could be. And uh, But how do you know what's true? Well, then I say, if I say, okay, 4 out of 10 are going to buy our product. I don't believe in that. But what I do believe is that, for example, if I don't know what gravity is, and one respondent starts talking about gravity and shows how it works. You see, when I let it go, it falls down. Then, yeah. when when I see it, I know this is true. I don't have, I don't need one hundred other respondents to know that this concept is really true. Sometimes it's not. You can you can gain insights from them about what the problem could be or what the solution could be like. And and sometimes you gain insights in what you don't need to further research without interpreting it as quantitative research.
0: Yeah, so basically what you might be saying is that you can expect to have very interesting, specific insights that you were not even planning to ask about. Exactly.
2: I think that's what the interviews are for. And then after a couple of interviews, you think, well, the last two interviews, we didn't really learn new stuff. Okay, and then stop it. Then we're done. Yeah,
1: I did like I started as working as an interaction designer, uh, and then uh, we were using quite a lot of subcontracting on doing like research, on ethnographic uh, research and going to observe the customers. And then at one point I started doing it myself as well, but I was still I kept my designer hat on, and the purpose of the research was to kind of inspire what the end result would be for design. Or get input for the design process. Exactly. It wasn't to validate anything. It was more like food for thought. Uh, and to hear, like I said, I, and I still think for every designer it's extremely valuable to talk to people,
2: understand, get more perspective. Otherwise you can't really do anything. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that input, that's never going to end up in a report. Yeah. Like how are? what's the energy on the table when we talk about the subject? And... And it's conveying some sort of feeling about your product that unconsciously can end up in the design if you're in the interview yourself.
0: Now that's really interesting because you have a scenario where customers are listened to and still you can compare that data with what customers are really doing out there. And you can measure, compare, and contrast the qualitative input with the quantitative input. And I think that's essential.
2: Yeah, I agree. I also see that a lot of clients still have difficulty getting towards the KPIs. Yeah. So it's, I still see a lot of project plans or lean canvases where the KPIs are, um, are still like um, X percent conversion or Y percent variety, for example, but they never get to the X and the Y because it's the just, ah, oh, we'll do that later when it's in the business as usual phase. Yeah, so it's like checkbox, it's done. Yeah, we got the KPI, yeah. yeah. Right. So, so that's our, the, I, I think that's a tough cookie there. I always like to discuss those because when you do start an experiment, for example, on Facebook and you try to, to launch some banners to see what people click, then you upfront needs to have an idea about the outcome. So if it's if the conversion is more than 0.4%, then it's a success. And when it's less, then people just don't like the product or the banner or whatever. So we have to go to the drawing board. But most of the time clients tend to say, okay, let's just put up the banner and see what happens. And then we end up with 0.25. Okay, is this is much, what are we going to do next? Yeah. We could have thought of this upfront, but yeah, but we didn't know what would come out, right? Yeah. So, so it's, that's, that's a hard thing.
1: How do you sell for the clients the idea of experimental approach? What is the key to actually get the client to buy into this?
2: I think it, it's the how do you know question. If you say, we would like you to design this product, then I can say, how do you know? And then you can say, we uh, I just have a feeling, right? okay is it a good idea to just find out first before we start designing whatever it's the, the how do you know question most of the time leading to experiments and hypotheses because how do you know is often followed by a hypothesis yeah we, we think that this is the most wanted product okay but how do you know we don't yeah oh how could we learn
1: yeah and I think it goes to like the whole company innovation culture what is it like is it that do you try to put the smoke and mirrors and try yeah. to get through the two years mm-hmm. mark and exactly. then or are you like Completely naked, and you you are like honest to yourself, and you actually do run the experiments and exactly. delay the big investments before yeah before you actually commit. I, I think that's the key for like for for selling it is that like instead of investing blindly and start like doing yeah like, let's test and validate our thinking first. Yeah, I agree.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I think that in our uh, offers and in yours. 15 years ago, you had sentences like, well, this is just a project, but as you know, a website is never done. So be aware that you have some money for maintenance, yeah. right? And and clients always ended up doing one project and never did the maintenance because yeah. they didn't have the budget, how hard you tried. Yeah, And I think that we're in this some sort of same dynamics right now to create yearly budgets for your website and not just a project budget, but year, yearly budgets for maintenance. We're there now, That that has happened. And now we're in some sort of same dynamics around Lean Startup.
0: Yeah. Perhaps we can ask Gert now, what's next? What's next?
2: Yeah, so <laughs> to kind
1: of finish this podcast off, say, so what, what kind of projects are you working on at the
2: moment on your uh, consultancy side? I am working on a couple of um, corporate ventures that I cannot say too much about because yeah. they're, of course, very strategic. And... Um, I'm helping these uh, in house teams to get more uh, validation oriented. Yeah. To design a framework to do this in. Like, how do you design a framework to combine lean startup and scrum? How can you create some sort of framework for continuous innovation? So, development on one hand, but also validation on the other. Yep. That's interesting. I did that within a bank last year, and there is. I think that corporate ventures are gaining uh, very much popularity so so the dynamics there and um, creating an innovation culture yeah, that's an interesting field of work for agency like ours great and yours I guess yeah yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> hey thank you very much Gerth for this interview yeah, so, thanks for having so me if, if our listeners want to get a hold of you or want to follow you in social media what is the best way to get a hold of you
2: oh they can um, look me up on LinkedIn of course Gert Hans <laughs> mm-hmm. which is G-E-R-T-H-A-N-S yep and I also have blog posts on Medium yeah so if you look at one under my name then you'll find them yeah, I've been reading those. I really recommend them. Oh, cool! Uh, so. Oh, that's cool. Thanks. You clapped. You clapped the hands. I clapped. The if hands. you hold the button, then it claps even more. You know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I like <laughs> it. <Right>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now we have Gerhard holding my hand and clapping. <laughs> <laughs>